Welcome to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Behold Israel provides biblical teachings through its tours, speaking events, and social media. It's also a reliable and accurate source for developments in Israel and the region. Amir's live updates and teachings are based on God's written word. Connect with Behold Israel on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Download our free app, available on Android and Apple, under Behold Israel. The title of the message is, Evil, the Absence of God. You know, evil is all around us. In fact, almost every day, turn on your TV or read the newspaper, and at least 500 new people just got killed, just murdered, got beheaded, got slaughtered by savages. And most of those people that are doing that are actually doing that in the name of a God, in the name of a religion, thinking that they are pleasing any deity somewhere. The world got used to so many terrorist organizations throughout the years. They came in and they went out. They rose and they fell. They rose and they dissolved. Yet something is totally different about this new phenomena that all of us know as ISIS. ISIS stands for the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria. In fact, they don't anymore call themselves ISIS. They just call themselves Islamic State because their appetite is much bigger right now. Iraq and Syria are already theirs. Now they want to move on and expand. What bothers me, though, is that people are relating the evil that is being done by ISIS only to that religion. People don't understand that evil has no religion. Evil goes all the way back to the second chapter of the Bible. And as far as I know, Islam did not exist then. And so we must make it very clear that raping, beheading, abusing, torturing, burning alive, burying alive, human trading and human trafficking, all these things existed in this world, on this planet, from the very beginning of this world. And we cannot bury our head in the sand thinking, well, it's, a, it's not my religion, it's their religion, it's an evil religion, it's only that religion. You cannot do that. We have to understand that evil's roots are way older than that. And I believe that there is a great purpose for us to be able to witness all of that today in the 21st century because we live in the last hour, as John said. You know, ISIS is doing what they're doing in the name of a certain religion. Been traveling around the world 
And I noticed that young people, how many of you are in the ages of 18 to 22 right now? Oh, okay. So you're experienced. Well, that age group of college and university kids are the number one, I would say, victims of heavy-duty brainwashing. And what they say, and I've, I've noticed that because I've been speaking to these people, is that this whole evil is associated with their religion, therefore it is sourced with God. It is connected with God, which means that we must ask ourselves, why did God produce evil? They are literally blaming God for the evil that is going on all around the world. And by the way, that is their ticket to live godless life. Thinking that if they will live godly life, they will actually become evildoers. Look how crazy and how twisted this whole thing is. And when I noticed that as I travel around the world, I decided I, that there's, this is a time to sit down and write a message and deliver a message that addresses the issue of the evil in this world and whether it's connected to God or not. Now, it's important that we must ask ourselves as Bible believers, where do we find evil in the Bible? I already told you that in Genesis chapter 2, this is the first time the word evil appears in our Bible. I think it's pretty early. Don't you think so? We're talking about Garden of Eden. We're talking about the creation just ended. We're talking about everything is so fresh. God saw and he said, and it is good. And then he saw man. He says, this is very good. And then it is not good for a man to be alone. And he created a woman. And guess what happened? The Bible says in Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17, that the serpent of every tree of the garden is telling, look what he's telling the, uh, uh, Eve. He says, for every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Now this is a godly command, that God says you shall surely die. Isn't that amazing? There is a tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. In other words, it's not the evil that God created. It's the knowledge of good and evil that God wants all people. He, actually, he wished they didn't have to use it. Let's put it this way. Let's ask ourselves a simple and a very honest question. Is it such a big sin to just eat a fruit? Is the fruit the problem? Of course not. Then what is the problem here? The problem here is that God from day one warns us that rebellion will lead to evil that by... 
default leads to death. And all God wants us is to live. And all He wants us is to have good life. And it's interesting because evil is not really something that God created. It's simply the fruit of man's disobedience to God's command. And it will always lead to death. Evil is produced by choosing to obey someone else and not God. And all that God wants, is, again, is us to choose life. Now, the serpent was there to convince them something else. But God wants us always to choose life. You know, in Deuteronomy 30, when Moses was there talking to the people, he says, God speaks to him and says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, and to keep His commandments, His statutes, His judgments, that you may live, not only live, and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away, so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. Now, he's not saying I'm going to kill you. He says you shall surely perish. He's just predicting the death that is the result of the disobedience of man's choices. And it's interesting, he says... You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over to the, the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Isn't that great that we worship a God that is not telling us to kill, that is not telling us to kill ourselves or anyone else, that tells us to choose life, and He wants us to live long life, and He wants us to produce more, that we and our descendants may live. We worship a God that killed His only begotten Son to prove to us that He loves us. Now it's interesting because in Genesis 3, we can see that the serpent said to the woman, look how sneaky the snake is. He says, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of, of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He's actually telling them, God is afraid that you will be like him. That's why he told you not to eat it. But I'm telling you, go ahead. Do it. I promise you, you will not really die. Oh, oh my goodness. Isn't that interesting that the first thing that happened when they ate it, is they notice that what? They're naked. Why? 
Because evil just penetrated the world. Which means that now their nakedness is shame. Now their nakedness is something bad. Is something wrong. Now they think this is it. I have to cover it. Until that moment, there was absolutely not an issue here. Now it is. In Isaiah 14, we see the nature of Satan, the serpent. He tells Eve and Adam, God is afraid that you'll be like him. But actually, he's actually revealing his own heart. The Bible says, For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. That's whom he want to be. So what is he doing? He is convincing men that that's what he should be doing. The only two things that God wanted us to stay away from became the first to be desired. When disobedience crawled, when that sin was injected, now... What burns within us is the desire for the things we should not do. And it is until now, all of, I mean, that sin entered the world that day. Make no mistake. And from that moment, every human being was born in sin. David says in Psalm 51, In sin my mother had conceived me. And it's interesting because we must understand that God did not create evil. He could not create evil because evil is the opposite of God. In, in fact, I always liken it to be like this. Even evil cannot stand by itself. There's no such thing as just evil. Evil is the absence of God. Do you understand that? Evil is the absence of God. The more God you have, the less evil you have. The less God you have, the more evil you have. It's sort of just like darkness is the absence of light. There is no such thing as darkness by itself. The less light you have, the more darkness you have. But it's the absence of light that makes something dark. And if that's not enough, then cold cannot stand by itself. Cold is the absence of energy. The more heat you have, the less it's cold. But the less heat you have, the less energy, it's colder. But cold is not something that can stand by itself. There's energy, more or less. But that's the issue. And there is a God. So, God, not only that he did not create evil, we're going to learn today that there's one thing that God hates, is evil. 
Our God is not into killing, destroying, beheading, raping, and all of these things. And you know what? And as I travel, people come to me and say, well, you're a Jew. Well, how do you explain the God of the Old Testament that is all about judgment and death? We can understand Jesus of the New Testament. It's all about love and forgiving. And I always say, hey, stop it right there. You got it all wrong. We don't serve two different gods. It is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And in my Bible, in my Old Testament, in Numbers chapter 14, verse 18, the Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressions. Amen? And in my Old Testament, in Psalm 40, verse 17, But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me, You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. And in my Old Testament, in Psalm 18, verse 2, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and my horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And in my Old Testament, in Psalm 106 verse 1, 107 verse 1, 118 verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is, and His mercies endures. This is not the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament is not less forgiving than the God of the New Testament. It is the same God. And by the way, just to give you a little balanced picture of Jesus. Jesus entered Jerusalem riding a donkey. In the Middle Eastern culture, when a king rides a donkey, he comes in peace. With peaceful intention. That's how Solomon entered Jerusalem also, riding a donkey. He's not coming to fight his own brother. He comes in peace. But according to that tradition also, when a king is coming riding a horse, he's coming for a war. He's coming, he's coming to fight. And guess what? Jesus indeed entered the first entrance to Jerusalem riding a donkey. And the Bible says, for the Son of Man did not come to judge but to save. But I have news for you. Jesus is coming back. And guess what? What will he be riding? And what will he be doing? Fight. The Bible says that God is love. And we have known and believed that love, the love that God has for us, God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And we all know what love is. And our God is not about killing, beheading, murdering, raping, trafficking, abusing. He is love. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love does not puff up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. It's not provoked, thinking no evil. 
does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And God is merciful. But you are God, Nehemiah says in chapter 1 verse 17, but you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake us. So what is it that God hates? God hates evil. See? God cannot produce the thing that He hates. God cannot produce that which is the opposite of Him. That which is the absence of Him. In Psalm 11 verse 5 it says, God hates the soul of the wicked. And in Psalm 26 verse 5, God hates the assembly of the evildoers. Don't let anyone mislead you to believe that the creator of heaven and earth created evil and entertains himself with it and actually demands his own children to practice it. In fact, ISIS in this world right now plays, I believe, a very significant role. Now, probably you're saying, what kind of a role can they play for the people of God? Well, I tell you what role they play. And listen very carefully. It is for all of you. ISIS is a glimpse of what the world was before and what the world will be in the near future. God is giving us right now an opportunity, a window to see in a little bit that which will be everything all over. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? Are you going to tell me that the whole world is going to behead people and, and rape and kill and, and bury alive? Yes. In fact, guess what? I'm going to tell you something. In the past, the destruction of the Canaanites... By the people of Israel, that which was ordered by God was not a matter of arbitrary divine favoritism, but an explicit moral judgment on a society which is described in the Bible and confirmed by archaeology as degraded, perverted, and oppressive. And I'm not going to stand here and even tell you what they were doing, what they were practicing, because I'm a little bit embarrassed. That if you really want... When you go to Leviticus chapter 18, you see that the law of God was actually based upon that which they were practicing. In other words, do not do what they are doing. It says, according to the doing of the land of Egypt where you dwelt, you shall not do. And according to the doing of the land of Canaan where I am bringing you, you shall not do, nor shall you walk in their ordinances. Now you're saying, wait a minute, uh, I thought that there is nothing worse than beheading a man. Well, really? Well, how about... The leaders of the whole city, together with the inhabitants of the whole city, taking a newborn baby, putting him right there, setting fire, and rejoicing, seeing him burning alive. 
And I'm not talking about a group of terrorists. I'm talking about the city inhabitants. And by the way, to cover up his crying, they used to play the drums. That's how the Hebrew term esh tofet. Esh is fire. Tofet means drum. It's the fire and the drumming that was hellish picture. And that's one thing that they were practicing. And it wasn't a crime. And it wasn't considered a sin. And it wasn't considered a fault. It wasn't considered a wrongdoing. It was actually a practice. They taught one another. You should do that. It's good. This is the way. That's how the world looked like. This is why Leviticus 18, from verse 6 to 23, you can see that the evil practices of the locals were the base of the law of God. Do not do what they were doing. Don't do that. It's interesting because when God said to the people of Israel, I'm about to lead you now into the land of Canaan, and I want you to leave no one alive. I want you to destroy everything. Now, you're probably going to say, well, this is exactly the type of God of ISIS. No, oh, no. By leaving nothing, he actually told the people of Israel, I want you to save lives of millions that are about to be butchered by these evildoers. In fact, by choosing Israel to replace the inhabitants of Canaan, God was raising the standard. God was introducing to the world, A, the belief in one God, B, the Word of God, and soon it will be also the Son of God, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. This is why, by the way, when the children of Israel enter the land, in Deuteronomy 9, verses 4 and 5, it says, Do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying, Because of my righteousness the Lord has brought me in to possess the land. But it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out from before you. It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you and that he may fulfill the word which the Lord swore to your fathers Abraham, Isaac and Jacob so we have a God that wants to raise the standard we have a God that wants to stop the killing, wants to stop the murdering, wants to stop the raping wants to stop the evil doing wants to raise the standard wants to give them godly life he wants them to choose life, not death. Death is only sanctified by godless people. Life is sanctified by godly people. And may I say that yes, it's a glimpse of the past. But how many of you know that we are expecting the future? Now we live in the 21st century. The world is getting ready the world government is getting ready. The world economy is getting ready. The world 
religious structure is getting ready. Guess what? It's getting ready for who? It is getting ready for a man who will claim to be the Christ. Christ in the Hebrew, Messiah, Mashiach. He will claim to be the Messiah, but in reality he will be the exact opposite, which is in the Greek, anti-Christos, the opposite of Christ, the opposite of Messiah. And I don't know if you study your Bible, but this man that is surely soon going to rise, that's not picnic. You know, the Bible says in Revelations 13, verses 16 and 17, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. He causes all. You don't want? Well, I'll make you. It's interesting, you know, in the book of Deuteronomy, we hear that, God says to the children of Israel that He wants them to remember His word and tie them on their hands and between their eyes, right here. So guess what the faked Messiah, the anti-Messiah is asking people for a mark on their hand and on their forehead. And it's interesting because not only He's doing that, the Bible says... And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. You won't be able to move. Make any slight move. You cannot buy. You cannot sell. You cannot do anything. Governments are already moving to cashless societies. It's already there. They're going to blame terrorism. They're going to blame money laundry. They're going to blame everything. And they're going to have tighter and tighter control over every dime that you're going to spend. In Revelation 20 verse 4 it says, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark of the, on their foreheads or on their hands. Guess what the leader of the whole world is going to do to the people that will not receive the mark on their hands or on their foreheads? What? Beheading. You see, we're so upheld, we're so alarmed by beheading of 10, 20, 100, 200. The whole world will be dominated soon by a government of one evil person that will not leave one head on the shoulders of a person that will not serve him and receive his mark. So, we have a glimpse today of that which the world looked like and of that which the world is going to look like. 
We understand what the past looked like. We understand what the future is holding. But between that past and that future, in between, someone came to the world. Someone who did not esteem himself high. Someone who left his majestic kingdom and came down and received the body of a man and walked through all of that so he will be with us and feel what we feel and understand. Someone who has the keys to set you free. Someone who will open your eyes. Someone who is the truth. He is the life. He is the way, not a way, the way. Someone who wants to give you life and life in abundance. Someone who will freely give you his spirit. Someone who will knock on the door of your heart. But guess what? Jesus is a gentleman. He's knocking on the door of your heart. He's not barging in. He's not coming against your will. That's all. You know, I was thinking about the wedding two days ago, and I thought to myself, everybody thought it was such a perfect wedding. But you know why? Because Jesus was invited. And because he was invited, he came. And because he was there, it was so perfect. And everywhere he's invited to, he's coming. And every heart that he's invited into, he'll come in and dwell and dine with you. But when evil crawls, and evil crawls, and evil penetrates, and evil comes and sneaks into your life without knowing it's there. I'm not going to stand here and paint perfect life of a believer. Our whole life is a struggle. It's a joyful one if you are with Him. Because we already know the end. But it is a ride. It is a journey. I said that here once before and I'm going to say it once again. I liken the Christian life to people who walk upstairs on an escalator that brings people down. Have you ever tried that? I tried that. I went to the mall and then the, the stairs were coming down and I started running, running, running. And you know what happened? I stopped. And guess what happened? I was going down. So then I started running, 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 running. And I stumbled. And guess what happened? I started going down. In other words, this world is going the wrong direction. This world is going to pull you down. And you better run. Run the race. And you better not fall. And if you fall, guess what? No time for a pity party. Time to stand up, get straight, and run faster. Forgetting the things behind you. And pressing forward to the things that are ahead of you. Amen? And I want you to know that evil crawls into believer's life. 
And it's probably because some foolish decisions based on disobedience. Because disobedience leads to evil and evil leads to death. And so you may have done those things. We may have chosen the wrong choices. But guess what? You need to repent, flee, pursue, wrestle, and win. Repent. In Matthew 4, 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first word in Jesus' public ministry was, Repent. You cannot. You cannot. You will not. You shall not. You cannot belong to God and be His child and have His Spirit in you unless you first repent. It's the first step. And after you repent... 2 Timothy 2.20 says, flee also youthful lust. I always say there's certain things you should fight and you should wrestle with and certain things you better flee and run away from. 1 Timothy 6.11 says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Ephesians 6, 11 and 12, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wills of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And you know what? The interesting thing is, the end is already written. The end is that we win. Because, in Romans 8.37, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Amen? Amen. So, I have a challenge for you this evening. It's a very simple one. We have evil in this world. By the way, ISIS is not the only evil group. It's not the only evil doers. It's all over the world. In the southern part of the Philippines you have it. In the northern part of the Philippines you have it. In the suburbs of Manila you have it. You have it in Asia. You have it in Europe. You have it in Africa. You have it in America. You have it all over the world. Evil is crawling. Evil is taking over. Evil is taking ground. You can see that. You can feel that. But I want you to know that God is giving you the choice. It's a simple choice. Here, I put before you evil and good, death and life. And then God says, choose life. And I want this evening, I want you to understand that the presence of evil in this world is A, because of rebellious spirit, B, because God allows it for you to see what it is when He is not the choice of people. And you have, tonight... A choice. And why do I say tonight? Because I cannot and I will not promise you that tomorrow the rapture will not take place. In fact, I'm telling you up now. I hope 
that tonight the rapture will take place. Amen? But if tonight the rapture is going to take place, let's, let's say, what is it now? 7.10. Let's say in 7.20, the rapture is taking place. Wait a minute. Do you think you will be part of it? Now, listen to this. He's giving you the choice. Isis or Jesus. Godless or godly. Evil or good. Death or life. What is it that God wants you to choose? Life. What, who is it that God wants you to choose? Jesus. And this evening, I don't want the doors to be open before we will make an invitation. I estimate about 20 to 30% of the people that are sitting here right now do not know Jesus personally. By the way, don't be alarmed. This is what every church everywhere around the world has. M almost half of the attenders may not know Him personally. More than half don't read the Bible or pray. But they come to church because you just come to church because it's Sunday. And everybody goes to church. And because the basket is passing, then you put something because everybody needs to put something. And when the song goes on, you lift up your hand and you jump because everybody lifts up their hand and jump. But do you really know him and the power of his resurrection? Are you set free? Now, I'm not saying you're perfect. None of us is perfect. If you say that there is no sin in you, you will deceive yourself, the Bible says in 1 John. My point is this, tonight, maybe as we come to an end, right now, tonight, I would like to extend an invitation to not only personally, but maybe even publicly, show that you're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ and that you choose Jesus over evil, death, and that you do not want to belong to a world that evil is its regular, normal practice. Now, it's free of charge. Later, your head is going to be cut off. Now, it's very simple. Later, you do not want to go through that. Now... Your eyes are still open. Later, you may be so blind that you will not even see Him. The Bible says in Revelation that when so many calamities are coming up upon the world, the Bible says that so much happens and knowing that God has the power to stop all of this, they did not call upon the name of God and they blasphemed Him.
That's how blind the people of the world are going to be. So, why don't we all close our eyes and examine our hearts this evening if there is anything that brings sadness to God. If there is any area in our lives that is still not His. Do we know Him personally as our Lord and Savior? Are we, have we been set free? Did we really choose life? Do we know that if in less than 10 minutes the rapture will take place, we will be gone? And I'm going to pray right now. And once I'm done, if you want to receive Jesus, this evening, you do not want to feel embarrassed. You really want to be embarrassed when you don't choose Jesus. You do not want to play games with your future, with your life. Father, in the name of the Holy One of Israel, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, this evening we, we stand before you acknowledging not only that you are not the creator of evil, but you are the opposite of it. We thank you, Father. That knowing you and living with you and having you in us rescues us from the evil of this world. Father, we understand where this world is going to. But we also understand what's the real source of life. What the real way to that life. And what is the only truth of that life is. And this is our precious Messiah. Who came and died for all of us. And Father, we acknowledge this evening that we may have gone wrong and we may have not lived the life that you want us to. But tonight, we want to change all of this. So Father, we ask that you're going to stir up every heart in this room right now. And if this is it, you're going to cause everyone here that know that they don't know you to come forward. And we're going to pray together to receive him to our hearts. So we thank you in advance for the work that you're going to do right now. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Connect with Behold Israel on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Download our free app available on Android and Apple under Behold Israel. Amir's teachings can be found in multiple languages. You can also visit our website, beholdisrael.org.